But first, a little disclaimer. We are prefacing a lot of the appeal of this podcast on the fact that we're prosecutors. However, we need you to understand we are not doing this podcast in our professional capacity as prosecutors. We're doing this as people after hours on our own time with our own equipment. Now, we know a lot about the law by virtue of what we do, uh, but we're also just interested in true crime. So our opinions and commentary in this podcast are not the opinions of our office or our employer. They are not our professional opinions and nothing in this podcast should be construed as legal advice or anything other than three friends blowing off some steam together. So with that in mind, don't try this at home. You know what it is. This is Joe. And Cheryl. And I'm Ray. And this is No True Bill. Today on No True Bill, Ray going to be taking us on a journey. A journey through scandal and government corruption. A tale of scientists behaving badly. Are you excited? Are you? You should be. <laughs> I don't know. Ray about to do some stuff. That's all I know. That's okay. it. That'd He's be a good seen, place to start. Ray has seen some shit. That is he true. And he wishes to share it with the rest of us. Well, we could, okay. So we could interject that it's been a minute since we recorded. Yeah. True. Right? And Hot glad minute. to be back. Murder trial. Yeah. Glad to be back in the murder Joe room. Joe killing it. For a reason. Other no than, pun intended. Ah, other than murder. To be back in the murder room. <laughs> that is true. Uh, but it's been a long time. We've been, oh, we excited. We lit for this. Uh, and it's race, yeah. race day. Today's don't, Ray Day. Don't get too hype, y'all. Oh. Ray Day. Ray Day. And uh, Ray got, this is probably going to be a multi-parter based upon our discussions. Yeah, probably two. Um, so we know a little bit about it, but nowhere near, just enough, just enough to get a little, little salivation. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. All right. Raymond. All right, so I stumbled upon a documentary. Well, actually, I think I first found a, a podcast and was just riveted. And then, lo and behold, found a sort of corresponding um, documentary on Netflix. And between the two of them, I was just absolutely floored. I came in here and I was like, Joe, Cheryl, I got to tell you all some shit. I can't tell you some shit because the podcast needs to hear about it first. But I got to tell you all some shit. And basically, it is the drug lab scandal that back in 2012 2013 absolutely rocked the state of massachusetts and the massachusetts criminal justice system is still dealing with the fallout of what happened um you know now almost a decade later that do sound scandalous can you spell massachusetts no no good all right um i could try but i'm sure i'd mess it up so <laughs> Uh, there were basically in, in Massachusetts at the time, and I believe it's still the case. There are two state funded crime labs. Um, one is out West in Amherst at the UMass Amherst campus. And mm -hmm. then the other one is known as the Hinton lab. It is in the Jamaica plain neighborhood of Boston. Mm. And, um, Basically, right about the same time, there was a huge scandal popping off at the lab at Amherst and totally unrelated, you know, kind of parallel track. There was an equally huge scandal popping off at the Hinton lab. 
and it has been troubles mm. for Massachusetts ever since. Unrelated, safe. totally unrelated. That's like that's lightning striking twice. You got in the same state. Yep, two Ooh. two chemists in the drug section, mm. one in each lab, don't have any interaction with one another, but they are both making problems. Naughty, naughty. Yeah, lots of them. So. Uh, one of them, as uh, we were just saying before we started recording, that uh, the one nobody can seem to uh, agree on how you pronounce her last name. So we're just going to say Annie Dukin. Um, she was the one working at the lab in Boston. And then there was another chemist by the name of Sonia Farrick. She was working at the lab in Amherst. And we'll today, I guess, talk probably primarily about Annie Dukin. And then maybe in the next uh, you know installation, we'll talk about Farrick. So Dukin, um, her story, at least the, the coverage that's been given to her story starts in about 2000. She was a biochem major at UMass Boston. She and her parents immigrated to the United States from Trinidad and Tobago about a decade before. Um, she thereafter um, winds up graduating gets a job at a company called Mass Biologics. She's doing quality control on vaccine research. She is a sort of by all accounts, a tireless worker, um, puts in extra hours voluntarily and um, winds up getting passed over for promotion because apparently she's not what they consider to be leadership material. She's, she's good at the job, but she's not like a motivator, not really a manager. Hmm. Um, and she basically, as you'll see with the Annie Dukin story, what's kind of just strange and, and interesting about her is at every turn, she demonstrates this like pathological need for recognition, for, for adoration. Sounds like someone I know. <laughs> and so one of the first manifestations of this that they that they, they've documented is that starting with her time at mass biologics um she lies and says that she is enrolled in the harvard night school phd program and bold she is which i just i don't understand this but she apparently is so convincing in her lies that no and, and mind you she's harvard's in boston she works in boston she says oh i'm working on my phd at night school no one seems to realize that harvard don't do phd night school programs it's not a thing but she's so compelling that they're just like oh my god she's a she's a rock star and they talk about how in one instance Ooh. she walks into the break room <clears throat> and like the whole shift or whatever is throwing her a big party because she's you know I guess claimed that she's been working on her PhD for long enough that they've done the math and like, Oh, she should be done or something. Or maybe she claimed it, you know, completion oh. was approaching and it was all just a lie. So she didn't claim that to get this job. She just started talking about that after she had the job. Just yeah. to get some praise. Uh, at I work. suppose there was, there was also in now in, in, in the, the podcast, there was, like a weirdo. there was a, a story about how, when she was in college, and I, you know, I assume this is true. It seemed kind of anecdotal. I don't know how there would be evidence of this, but 
that while she's in class, the, 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 some chemistry class, they're all bitching about how hard the homework was. She's like, what are y'all talking about? It wasn't hard. And they're like, what do you mean it wasn't hard? And they all kind of like turn on her. Mm -hmm. and they're like, well, if you're so smart, why are you here? This is, it's UMass Boston. <laughs> like, and she's like, well, I went to Harvard, but my family couldn't afford it. And I like the people here better anyway. They're too snooty at Harvard. I'm like, damn. All right. Well, I mean, you're real smart. And I guess you did go to Harvard. And she like, apparently that was one of the first just straight up fabrications she doubled down on mm -hmm. and persuaded people was true. And then she just continues. Keeps going back to that. Well, yeah. it's all have it. Mm. So then fast forward to 2003, she's gotten passed over at this hint or uh, mass biologics, uh, th this vaccine company. And she is pissed and she sees that there's a posting for a job to be a, you know, forensic analyst, forensic chemist at the Hinton lab in Boston. And, um, never mind, the job requires that she have a graduate degree or higher. Mm. She don't care. No worries. She goes, well, I'll oh, just... she do though, right? Huh? She got that PhD. She, well, she was on Harvard. <laughs> at, at Mass Biologics, it was underway. Um, so she decides to say when she applies to uh, this this state lab that she she decides to say that well she's enrolled in graduate studies, Ooh. and so I guess they decided that was adequate. Uh, um, failure they, number one. Yeah, they, they did not uh, check confirm. receipts. Nah. No, no receipts. Mm. They were. They said you must have the piece of paper. She said, "Well, I don't, but I'm on my way." And they were like, "Good enough." And um, <laughs> but they didn't even confirm her enrollment. No, nah, no. Apparently, her just representing that she didn't have a mandatory requirement was good. That's cool. Well, uh, and and I assume this lab. And I don't know if you're going to like get into it, like what the lab does, what her role was or anything like that. But I assume if it's like our lab, it's pretty important stuff that they're oh, yeah. doing there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so basically, and I, I guess I maybe I should have clarified that the the UMass lab handles, at least as it relates to drugs. And I assume it's like our lab, you know, for all all criminal stuff, they've got different sections. But at least as it relates to drugs, the UMass Amherst or the, 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 the lab at UMass Amherst handled all drug cases for all law enforcement agencies in the western half of the state mm -hmm. and Hinton, the eastern half. So Boston. I just it Boston is a big city. Yeah. You're telling me that they hired the broad that goes ah, about those. I'm supposed to have that degree. I'm working on it. Not quite there yet. Like, how does she rise to the level of getting this job? You'd have to think that there's Plenty of people applying for that, right? I don't know. I mean, not to get into the Sonia Farrick story prematurely, mm. but she actually initially got um, hired out of school and worked there also mm. and put in about a year before she decided to hell with this. The cost of living here compared yeah. to what they're paying at this state lab is not, I mean, it's just, it, it's crazy. It's not uh, sustainable. So she asked for a transfer to the UMass uh, campus, which Out is west. way more rural, cost effective. And so I think they're just kind of chronically underpaid. Mm. And apparently the the um, the task for these chemists was sort of monumental because 
uh, apparently there was a, a tremendous, in this time, I don't know if they've increased funding, how many analysts they actually have working, but at the time it was just this astronomical backlog. Um, they hurt. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they was hurting. So when she was like, ah, I mean, I'm trying, they were like, bet you, you hired yesterday, girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and I don't know if this makes any difference, but back then the, state labs were uh, administered and operated by the Department of Public Health, which I guess is like akin to our DHHR. Since then, oh. it has changed hands to the police to be overseen by the Massachusetts State Police. Mm-hmm. But back then it was like a <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, she like I said, there was a major backlog. She starts and pretty clearly um, she and pretty quickly she distinguishes herself as a really hard worker produces a ton of test results apparently was routinely the first person in the office like sometimes pre-dawn and then left you know after sundown like just worked all the time um she became in the eyes of the hustle yeah yeah um in, in the eyes of the administrators she became a superstar they even like her nickname within the lab was superwoman Mm. um See, but you know what? That's overcompensation, right? Right. Mm. You ain't going to get fired if you're the first in, last out. Right. right. And so she she was loved by supervisors, but the object of suspicion and scorn from mm. colleagues is mm-hmm. they were like, how are you doing as many tests as you claim you are? Mm-hmm. Um, her Her monthly test rates, depending on, I guess, what time you're, you're analyzing and um, who you who your source is, it said she at the very least doubled everybody else's output. Sometimes as much as, sometimes as much as quintuple. Double is a lot. Yeah. It was anywhere from double to five times the amount of everybody else. And because of this. You cannot sustain that lie. You can't. Right. Right. (laughs) Honestly, the thing that struck me as I was kind of jotting down some notes before we went on and you'll see what I'm talking about as this thing progresses, but it almost got to the point where it was like a drug lab, you know, forensic chemist, Ponzi scheme. Mm. I, it, it was interesting, but basically, yeah, she's she's putting in all this work, killing, testing, uh, helping to reduce the backlog, and the bosses they're just put on the blinders. You know what I mean? Just total blind. Either like this chick's a rock star, we love her, and the colleagues are like, this is not humanly possible. Right. She is full this? of shit. This mm-hmm. is she's a con artist, and so, um, let's see. She what the what the co-workers suspected was that she was doing something called dry labbing, which I had never heard of until this um, this uh, podcast. But basically, it's apparently it's just a term that uh, scientists use to say that you are ascribing test results to tests you never ran. Lying is making what we call it, that. Making it up, fabricating Make, it. Yeah, pretty much. You, you, edu- dry labbing? That's that, what they call it, dry labbing. Okay. Educated <laughs> guesses. You just go, mm, I think that's what it is. Okay. Um, and You really can't do the looks like a smells like a when it comes to the chemical composition of a substance. Well, apparently in this case. I mean, that look like crack. We're going to get there. And apparently in this case, that's exactly what happened. Oh, oh dear. Um. So and, I mean, nine times out of ten, it probably is that, though, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, 
but now we're getting so many things mixed in right? oh, that's with true. other substances. You the, just yeah, MDMA's. You, yeah, you you scram, can no longer scramble, do the scramble. looks like it smells like it because you're true. never sure. Got so much laboratory produced stuff, man made mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but yeah, Synthetic. and like so one of the one of the first red flags that went up was that um, uh, uh, I guess sort of a whistleblower coworker noticed that in two thousand six, yeah, <laughs> uh, snitcheration. That a, a, a co-worker by the name of Piro noticed that she had a miscarriage and her numbers didn't fall off at all. Like um, she also so she had a miscarriage. Numbers didn't fall off. Mm-hmm. She didn't bury herself in work such that her numbers rised. They just stayed where they were. OK. And then um, she did thereafter have a child. But that child, I guess, was special needs. And still her numbers maintained their high level and actually maybe even got a little better. Mm. Um, so even though she's not keeping obviously the same hours. Right. Her numbers output was the same. Essentially. Yeah. I think that was the general allegation. And there was also an instance, again, kind of an anecdotal thing where this Puro guy, I guess they were working on a Saturday and he happened to just walk by her workstation and noticed that she just was step uh, uh basically just not conducting a number of preliminary testing t- measures like apparently th- some of the instruments they used um i guess maybe more so than here in west virginia the code in massachusetts is dependent in a lot of instances upon the weights mm. and so they had to calibrate the machine the the scales on these ma- machines constantly and there were these weights that you were supposed to put on them to confirm that the calibration was right and whatever. And you were supposed to do it before every test. And he's just sitting there watching her roll through tests and she's never putting the weights on. Mm. And he confronted her and she's like, yeah, that's stupid. It's it's fine. This thing is like a highly sophisticated piece of machinery. It's not off. Fuck off. Mm. And he was like, all right. And, you know, I think he reported it. Red and the managers flags, were like, flags. it's fine. What? Yeah. It's fine. Supergirl is clearing the backlog. <sighs> right. That's what it is. It's shit did. Intentional but blinders. Quality control. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I we're we're spoiled. Our lab experience, or at least mine, I mean, that's all been post our problem. Right. Which they've been like very <laughs> beep, you know, very yeah. by the book, wanting to be real, real good, because we had our own problem in West Virginia. Um so maybe if you haven't had that and you're just like, oh, we're going to clear these backlogs. I don't know. I, it's not good. It's not right. Right. Not, well, and I right. don't know, like, you know, here we've got the whole, maybe it's because of the, the issue our state had, um, you know, even even drug results, they're all peer reviewed. Like someone, right. Everything someone reviews it and says, okay, I agree with these findings. They didn't indicate that back in this period in Massachusetts, that was a thing. Um, and so then you get to 2009 and I think that predates our professional careers, but Cheryl, you might remember this. And I, I wondered, I'm curious if you do, I'd never actually heard of this case until, um, I stumbled upon this Massachusetts scandal, but there was a decision, a U.S. Supreme court decision issued in 2009. It was called Melendez Diaz versus wait for it, Massachusetts. <laughs> and it said that, um, the sixth amendment right to confront your accuser mandates that um basically there be a live person to testify to drug results i guess prior to this decision a lot of the a practice 
in many places in Massachusetts in particular, they would just, they'd, they'd certify the record. Mm -hmm. They would, um, you know, I guess use it as a, as a business or as, as a government record. Mm -hmm. It's a self-authenticating government record. It's got a, a seal from a records custodian and they just admit it. Wasn't that the whole thing with Crawford too? Right? Well, that's well, right. And not, not to be a complete law nerd, but because Please do. Right. But because uh, in trial preparations, we actually always had the lab representative come and testify with regard to any testing results. Mm -hmm. It wasn't so much of an issue here, except right. as it related to probation revocations based upon positive drug screens. Oh. That's the only reason I know about the case is because it became a thing about whether or not we have to fly in people because our probation office sometimes outsources those things to right. companies farther away. Um, do we need to fly in people to testify at probation revocations who've actually actually done the urinalysis screens that you know, we send we, out? We ain't gonna do that. Well, and nah. but nah. as as a interesting side note, mm. that's the only panic that was had around here since mm. our trial process already includes bringing analysts. Yeah, the only. Uh, panic that ensued was with regard to probation revocations hmm. which was it just that because the rules of evidence don't apply and all that kind of stuff yes okay. that that is ultimately how uh, we got around how, that. how <laughs> yes cool. how people work around that mm -hmm. well yeah so i thought that was interesting um and so but basically this decision is handed down in 2009 annie dukin is working at the lab at the time and by virtue of the the holding she now has to go to court all the time she can't just dumb sit in the lab and and crank out results she's got to testify in person to those results and um basically the the so uh, not to interrupt you but to ask a question when they're certifying these records that are being used in court are they essentially just setting forth a result or do these documents include like bench notes on all the steps they took, the condition the thing was received in, everything they did? Sounds like old girl didn't have bench notes. <laughs> right. Like how, how extensive <laughs> they is their process they with the documentation? They didn't talk about that. It was more just at least at issue were the actual certified testing results. I think there probably were supposed to be bench notes. But it seemed like the practice back then, especially pre this Melendez Diaz decision, decision, if a chemist puts it on a piece of paper, you're guilty. Boom. That's it. You plead. You're not going to beat it. So it was just a here we cer I certify the test results. I, I you know uh, provide it to the prosecutor. Prosecutor gives it to defense attorney and dude cops to it. Next case, you know. Um. So, but now. She has to testify. She has to be subject to cross-examination. And that's sort of the general consensus. That's the supposition that that's when she probably really started dry labbing in earnest because um, lying. She, right? Yeah. She, I don't like that term. Dry yeah. Why, why make a different term for just <laughs> It makes it lying. sound so innocent. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Dry labbing. You know, sometimes you got to dry lab here and there. She, because more or less her um, results did not take the hit that everyone else's did, hmm. uh, her productivity. And in, in the one podcast, it was interesting. I, it's kind of just a, another anecdote, but I was telling Cheryl about it, uh, when I couldn't help myself early on <laughs> and it talked about a trial in 2009 where it, it identified this 
particular guy. His name was Leonardo Johnson. Um, I assume this was in Suffolk County, um, Massachusetts, and in, in the county Boston sits in. And he took the stand and testified that he was a crackhead and that he needed money. I didn't. He didn't have any drugs, didn't have any money, but he needed drugs. He needed a score. And he knew uh, that if cleaved off in the right way, that cashew chunks could look just like crack rocks. And so he was like, if I can find a dope fiend who's high enough, I could probably sell him this cashew chunk and, and you know, get some money to score. And so he sold a cashew chunk to a, it was either, I think it was an undercover. It wasn't yeah. a CI, it was an undercover. And uh, he took the stand and said that. I tried to fake a drug deal, I, but it was a cashew I pulled out of oh. uh, the carpet in my living room. And then Annie Dukin gets up and it testifies says, and said, it was crack. I tested it. It's crack. Oh, no. And he um, he was convicted. Oh, yeah, he was. Um, Slinging them shoes. <clears throat> that's right. So you're saying she can't tell her nuts from her crack? That's right. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Oh, that is fantastic. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah. And and then basically there were other, um, I don't know if it was in this case, but she got hemmed up at one point. Um, and so there were a number of, of close calls she had in the lab. The first one that was identified was with that Piro guy and the, and the scales and the not calibrating the machine. And they actually indicated that before she even started, she sort of telegraphed that this is what she was going to be like because they talked about in one podcast that during the onboarding um, orientation process that they were like, okay, here's what we're going to, here's the process generally. And, you know, we receive um, a submission from a law enforcement agency and then we do preliminary testing where, you know, we know uh, a color change test where basically we take a segment of the submitted drugs from the officer, we introduce a, a solution to it and if it changes this particular color, that tells us that it is this category of drugs, an opioid, a, a whatever, mm -hmm. cocaine. And she apparently at this orientation meeting was like, well, why do we do that? That takes a lot of time. And these guys know what they're what they're getting off of you people. know what it is yeah these cops know what drugs they're encountering why do we do that and they're like well because we, cashews we we you're right we respect your enthusiasm but you know people's liberty are at stake we have to do it by the book got to get it right and she's like all right if you say so so then there's the scale incident which i guess i don't know maybe never gets reported to the brass or if it does it falls on deaf ears <laughs> yeah and they, then, they want to look the other way when it comes to superwoman yeah. And so you've got the kind of two separate acts of, of malfeasance on her part. You've got the, the dry labbing where she's just eyeballing it and going, uh, here's what I say it is. Mm -hmm. And then you had actual manipulation of drugs to fabricate test results. What? She, she's sprinkling crack on people pretty much no pretty much she there was an incident where she was dry labbing looked at it and said oh that's cocaine and certified it was cocaine and maybe i maybe i did answer a question that somebody in some degree of secondary review i don't know if it was part of a 
quarterly QA type thing or yeah. if it was the routine process. But somebody looked at that test result after her and was like, um, uh, yo, girl, um, that didn't come back as any controlled substance. That was not cocaine. And so then she was like, oh, and they really sent it back to her and they were like, see, you know, what your error was and if you can fix it or whatever. Like, I don't know why you got a, a, a false positive for right. Coke when it wasn't Coke. And so then she went into one that she knew was Coke that she oh. tested and actually. So I guess one of the things she was doing, too, to keep her numbers up was she'd get a sample that would have, I guess, a bunch of um, components. She'd sample maybe one go, okay, that confirmed that one is cocaine and then eyeball the rest. And this one, in this instance, I guess what she did, is was the first time where she actually confirmed cocaine from test B, from yeah. submission B, and was like, ooh, that one that I erroneously, the submission A that I erroneously called as coke, I'm gonna take the known coke from B and sprinkle that coke on A and send it up down up the chain and that's what she did so oh my god like, and their oh. criminal their criminal statutes set up your conviction and penalty pursuant to weight i'm only and she's i'm assuming she's because they seem to be pretty concerned be, with weight she's causing people to be convicted for more serious offenses yes. than their actual i mean and in oh. poor uh mr johnson's case leonardo he he sold a cashew, mm. yeah, which would still be a crime technically here because he was right purporting it to purporting be a drug. Purporting it to be dope. However, maybe in Massachusetts, not. Maybe it's not. Yeah, maybe it and violates and, Bofa. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, oh, but here's here's the thing for me. Up till now, it's like you've what? said it's it's very bad conduct, criminal even, but it's. It's like about wanting to get the numbers right and like looking at it and like being lazy, like wanting to go through without following all the steps. Right. But now, now this is a shifting point for me. Right, this right. is like, oh, no, 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 no. You, you looked at my work and turns out I was wrong on that when I eyeballed it and said, I thought that was Coke. And you're like, nah, baking powder. And you're like, bitch, hold up, sprinkle, sprinkle. Now it's Coke. Mm -hmm. That is next level. Yes. Where That's sloppy not just... becomes malevolent. Yes. 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 Yeah. And, or malevolent. And I said that word completely wrong. And you both just let <laughs> well, me. I knew, I knew you used malevolent. <laughs> but so, Reminds me of that Disney movie I can't pronounce. Maleficent. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <clears throat> and so, but in, in, I guess, right? Like in, even in that instance, when she sprinkled the crack, the, the, the powder cocaine <laughs> sprinkles the crack on them. Right. He sprinkled the powder on the baking soda. And Ironic the that chain. officer's name was Johnson. That's right. It was <laughs> um, so the, 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 the protocol should have been mm -hmm. that this secondary reviewer upon receiving now this second submission of purported cocaine should have run a test on it again to make sure that these secondary results were right. Didn't happen. Oh my goodness. Mm. So, because then she would have been busted, right? Right. Like you called Coke. It wasn't straight up. And then, but you know, so it, she would have, her manipulation would have revealed itself, but right. everybody's like, well, okay, good to go. And That's like an instant, another institutional, institutional failure yes. on mm -hmm. this. Okay. Great. And then, um, so there is in 2010, there is, um, Yet another sort of allegation levied against her, or more suspicion that she's not doing what she says she is, because 
um, this is a numbers thing again. The person, this woman, Elizabeth O'Brien, she was the, I guess, the primary evidence officer, they called her. She's the, she's the custodian for uh, the drugs at the lab there in, in uh, Boston. And she goes over the top. She goes to Dukin's boss and says, I think something is up here. There's no way this woman is testing this many. She said that um, in the year prior, I guess, in, so in 2009, Dukin tested almost 900 submissions per month. Um, and that postdated the SCOTUS ruling mm -hmm. that now they got to testify. She says everybody else's numbers dropped, dropped kind of precipitously and Dukin's more or less stayed where they were. They faltered a little bit, but not anything comparatively. You know, that that's pissing me off. Like she started in round about 03. Is that what we were talking about? Something like that. Yeah. So, somewhere in that neck of the woods. So you're yes, you're talking seven years of at least doubling your coworkers output like that's and that's not suspicious to anyone. Right. Like that should have been looked into way before that. Like we we are not in administrators necessarily. Any of us at this table. In, you know what I mean? In this office. But I remember I have at times, right? We've been called upon to look into like, wow, all these cases. Like what's what's going on here? Like you think about that. That, yeah. that should raise an eyebrow that maybe something ain't right here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh. Dub and double is a lot. Yeah. You're doubling your <clears throat> next best. Well, and look, analyst? that's what it's that's what he said at the beginning, right? That right. it was around double. And, it, and then everybody else is. Peter down off because they it, have to go testify was, about their it testing. It was at least yeah. double. At least double. And then everybody else's goes down and hers maintains. Dang. Yeah. Like, and apparently that's, in this. That's this, willful. That is willful. Apparently. You I agree. You know. And apparently in this confrontation, the evidence custodian who went to Dukin's direct boss mm -hmm. was like, look, man, I've heard you out of your own mouth say that analysts shouldn't be doing more than 350 a month. She's doing 900. Hmm. And he was like, well, uh, she works a lot. Mm. Um, so basically, she then, when when it falls on deaf ears with Dukin's direct boss, she takes it to the lab administrator, a woman uh, by the name of Julie Nasif. Good for her. And, or she, I think she, th she threatens to. Mm. And Salome, her boss, uh, direct boss is like, eh, until we have conclusive proof, you know, no need to raise, raise the... Uh, <laughs> Red flag. Don't get anybody no, upset. No, no, here. Don't sound the alarm bells. <clears throat> and so then in eleven, there was another allegation of her cooking the books, and it was basically I, I should have more thorough notes, but basically that she was checking drugs out of the evidence locker more or less without authorization, and they noticed that. Well, that comes with Sonia Farrick. Okay. And uh, and so they they were like Annie, you're not allowed to do this. Because she had checked it all out mm -hmm. and somebody noticed that all these drugs had been checked out to her, but that where the custodian would actually initial or sign or whatever to denote that I have passed these drugs to this chemist, mm -hmm. um, that somebody looked at the books and all of those entries were blank. They didn't have the signatures. And then mysteriously, even though the evidence custodian was out on some kind of like medical leave or something. 
the next day there are signatures there for every oh. one of these like 90 samples that annie had checked out to herself to text oh, annie are you okay right mm. and then i think it was i should have had notes Smooth on this too criminal <laughs> that's right <laughs> and then but i think it was later in in 11 they say like <laughs> the 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 general uh agreement seems to be that for like a cost savings i don't really know why mm. but in later 11 the administration of these labs was passed off to the state police okay and um basically i guess now because you not only have people running the, the lab in lab coats you now have people in uniform there who mm -hmm. are police um in 2012 these allegations start to make it to cops mm -hmm. they're like wait a second say what now mm -hmm. and so they start to look into it and a couple of employees formally blew the whistle and uh they were <laughs> now like the guys with the big hats come in and they're like let me tell you about this fish yeah right, right? And, and now i mean and they've been trying but now they're Off actually the now they're actually listening <laughs> yeah um and so yeah, they basically they were aware of this whole checking out the the lab or the the drugs thing. They mm -hmm. kind of got boohooed. They they chalked it up back then to when it was still the the public health uh, agency administrating the the lab. They was like, ah, it's a chain of custody issue. She'll be reprimanded. Blah 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 blah. Um, but then the state police started to look at it. And they're like, wait, hold up. You're saying. The only way that she could get these numbers is she's fabricating results. She's just straight up lying. And they're like, yes, that's exactly what the fuck we've been saying for years. <laughs> and they're like, hmm. All right, let's investigate that. So uh, that happened somewhere around about July of 2012. <clears throat> and then after nine years. Yeah. So then late September 2012. Um, it's a great month. I remember it. That's right. I got married. There you go. Mm -hmm. So um, state troopers go out to old Miss Dugan's house and they say, hey, uh, this is what people be. This is what the streets are saying. <laughs> and uh, what, what you know about that? How you how are you keeping these numbers so high, girl? And she admits to it. Oh, she cops to it. She did. And she said something to the effect of she didn't want to get the lab in trouble. So, yeah, it, it was me. Like, I, it's nobody else. It's just me. She took the weight okay and uh now that's not how any of this works now when the <laughs> allegations were formed like when 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 shit went down yeah former Everybody, heads was rolling right yeah yeah um but i think she was as the they one, should i think she was the only one who ever caught charges over it yeah mm -hmm. but um so yeah she admitted to the the dry laving <laughs> and uh basically then Lying. she she was arrested there in her Instead living room thank you darling they uh they <laughs> perp walked her out of her house put her in a cruiser took her off <sighs> and she was charged with initially charged with obstructing and falsifying academic records and then, it ain't academic when homeboy's sitting in jail i'm saying right. well and then i guess later um she, what about leonardo well, so what about Leonardo? And, and when this initially popped off, the estimate was that there were approximately 11, 1100 Leonardo's in custody. 
like 1100 dudes behind bars who had Annie Dukin either do her, do their drug results or, or testify against them at trial. It's quite and the body count. Who knew how many more convictions of, you know, already closed cases, people already served their time. And then like in the documentary, they talked about, it was just, it was really weird. And, and again, it's like her need to be recognized. They, I guess through a FOIA request, got emails that she had with prosecutors, over a thousand of them. I guess maybe they were all her professional emails and they got their hands on over a thousand and they identified a number of emails with prosecutors where she clearly demonstrated she was in the tank. She was not a chemist. She thought she was an advocate. And Ooh. like, like to the point they had one email where she sent a prosecutor an email that said, quote, tell the defendant he's getting extra five years for pissing off the chemist. What? Oh, and another one that ah, said, tell him, tell him it'll be an extra 10 years. If, if I have to drive to that jury, actually she said she, but basically if I have to drive to that jurisdiction and I get there and he just stipulates and she, there were multiple emails mm. where she apparently would mm. email, like if defense attorneys call, emailed her and were like, yo, I've got a question about the test results. Can you walk me through whatever process, whatever, if they reached out to her through email, she would reach out to the prosecutor who had the case and say, what should I say? How should I respond? What? what? That's, that's not good. That's not good yeah. at all. Oh. Um, and they had oh certain emails God. where she referred. What you should say is what you did yeah, right? to arrive at your test results. <laughs> yeah, answer mm -hmm. the question. Mm -hmm. Right. Answer their questions. Uh, sir, are you familiar with dry testing? Yeah. So uh, they also had one where she referred to herself and the prosecutors, I guess, involved in that particular case. She referred to them as the dream team. <laughs> okay. All right. That cuts a little close to the I know, test I know, here. I know. <laughs> I, you know, because teamwork makes, makes the, dream the dream work but everybody's got to play their role it, it, her role is not advocate her no. role is science objective tester objective tester evidence. but that's an important role on the team absolutely you that's can still be in the dream role. team but i mean mm. yeah and then they found they found one <laughs> that demonstrated just sort of like how bizarre this woman was there were emails so okay they found emails where I guess she she had this fixation with a particular prosecutor. I guess maybe she mm. testified in one of his cases and was like, mm, he fine. I'm trying to get with it. And I can understand. It happens to you routinely, I know. Indeed. And so <clears throat> they discover in her emails an email to her from a Suzanne uh, Suzanne Sullivan who I guess at the time was an actual assistant U.S. attorney in Massachusetts. Okay. To Dukin discussing that Dukin had been uh, divorced for three months. It was high time. She got a boyfriend. She's so funny. She's so great. She needs to, you know, re and ignite her social life, all this, mm -hmm. right? And then that email gets forwarded to this prosecutor she's trying to she's pining for mcdreamy yes mm. uh except that she wrote all of it 
It was that that oh, they boy. figured it out because she done catfished him. Su- she did because the, the, the she spelled Suzanne Sullivan S U S A N N E. The real Suzanne Sullivan was S U Z A N N E. So and can presumably spell her own name, right? Because mm-hmm. like you know, I bet she feels a certain way. Auto populates an email address, right? Like you know, because you put it in before and it, <sighs> poor it Miss Sullivan is like, bitch, I don't even know you. Now. Yeah, keep right? my exactly. name out your mouth. <laughs> And they had in the in the documentary, they had the prosecutor who was the subject oh, of her. Of what do he look like? I mean, he was an attractive guy. Yeah. Um, and but he apparently there was a lot of, you know, th- this, this happened to him a lot. <laughs> well, particularly in Boston, this case obviously caught a lot of media attention. Yeah. And then when media, the Boston Globe and whoever else, they did these FOIA requests and they see this what would appear to be inappropriate relationship between prosecutor and chemist, it blew up that. You know, he's having an affair with her and all oh. this, and it basically wound up driving him out of prosecuting. He's a defense attorney now. He was like, I can't, you know. Took him right to the dark side. I did. Dang. Absolutely. December 2012, uh, she was arraigned on 27 charges. Mm. I, pre- I presume arraigned after. 27 the- is a little low after 1,100 people. <sighs> yeah. We were told there were 1,100 Leonardo's. Well, that was, that's 1,100 people serving time at that time mm. that they estimated. So um we'll get to the the grand total here in a moment Ooh, um, grand total. a rough guesstimate um and i assume she was arraigned i mean she was arrested in what did i say september uh yes yeah, september and then not arraigned until december so i assume they had grand jury in between and they they threw on all those additional counts she took 17 counts of obstructing eight counts of tampering with evidence one count of perjury <laughs> And one count of falsifying records, and then later um, took him on the chin, pleaded guilty to all 27. And in November of 2013, she was sentenced. I guess they have in Massachusetts a kind of a sentencing. I don't know if they have a sentencing guidelines more like the federal system or mm-hmm. if this was like determinate stuff. I don't know. But basically, the state argued for a five year sentence. She asked for a one year and the judge gave her a three to five with it's a two years of probation afterward. I don't know if that means parole or what, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, all told the state of Massachusetts, primarily by way of the Suffolk County DA's office dropped or dropped charges, or I think moved to vacate convictions for more than, 21,000 oh. low-level oh, God. criminal charges <laughs> and and or convictions lodged in little over 15,500 cases in which she was involved. And out of that, they basically elected to pursue 117. And I presume they did. I've not really found clarity on that, but I presume that they were like, okay, well, we still have the physical evidence. We'll, we'll, we'll retest. Do, yeah, we'll retest. retest it. We'll send it to a private lab, whatever. But oh, so. Oh, my word. Did they agree to retry those people or are those just ones that are fighting it out on habeas? I don't know about that. I think the 117, they were still trying. Okay. And then the basically 15,000 other cases, almost 15,600 other cases, they were like to hell with it. Yeah. Dang. Well, and, you know, kudos to the officers and the prosecutors who took her on and stood up and did the right thing. Mm -hmm. Because what you do 
when you prosecute someone inside is you risk invalidating all of the work you've done mm-hmm. in the nine years since she's been an analyst. Yeah. Because now no defense attorney trusts anything that comes out of your lab, whether she did it or not, there's right. a question. Right. So that's a lot of scrutiny. Yeah. Among um, defense attorneys, judges, everybody. Sure. Right. But you know what? It's the right thing to do. Oh, yeah. And kudos to them for having done it, even though it means they had to vacate all those convictions. Hell, if it's if it's so popular and in the media, your juries. Right. Like, you know what I mean? You could have a different lab person and and coming up and that's got to be in the back of their minds if they've heard about it. Can I act without hesitation? Right. That's at least our definition of. uh, Right. Which is why I'm sure their their lab personnel got oh. extra tutelage and oh. quality control and uh, learning to effectively communicate their quality control process to a jury. Yeah, and I mean, I don't. I just the thing that struck me was obviously going into this, she didn't have any criminal history, and she pleaded guilty, and she you know presented fairly well and and allocuted and said you know here's why i'm sorry and blah 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 blah. i didn't mean to hurt anybody sort of thing <laughs> but just that <clears throat> 15 almost sixteen thousand. i'm rounding mm-hmm. up a little bit but almost sixteen thousand separate cases all got either completely fucked up because your the integrity of your results were called into question such that the state said we're not going to litigate this we're just going to let it go or you know I mean, and who knows of those, that 16,000, how many thousand people were improperly incarcerated because of you, right. Leonardo Johnson, mm-hmm. and you get a three to five. I'm saying. I mean, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm okay, okay with, it. with it. I'm okay with it. I think she should have got a lot more. I'm I okay agree that she <clears throat> should have got a lot more. And let me tell you why. I'm going to go on a rant for for a second. And Get I want to say, I, I could be wrong about this, but I want to say that because of how they do uh, actual service of sentences in mm-hmm. Massachusetts, I think that she wound up getting released before the expiration of that three years. I think. Mm-hmm. So this is the rant I'm going to go on. Uh, people who are in positions of trust with respect to the community, and if you work for... The Department of uh, Social Services, Human Resources, Health, whatever it is, uh, whatever agency ran this lab, and you're in charge and entrusted with doing testing, you should be held to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're someone who grew up in hard socioeconomic times that are struggling to get out of it. And in your struggle to get out of it, you're committing crimes to survive. Right. That is not your situation. You have obviously overcome anything that you have gone through, put yourself in a good position to earn a good living, are in a position of trust. And the fact that you would violate the public's trust like that means to me, you deserve a harsher, higher sentence than anyone from the street who is doing something because they feel like they have to. Well, and, and she clearly didn't have to do any of this. No. Whatever her psychology is, I I, I just, I, I have no it's tolerance. Right? It's infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're allowed to go before the court and say, oh, but I'm such a good person because I've never done anything criminal before this or other than this and blah, blah. And I served in it. Fuck you. <laughs> Let me just say that. Fuck you. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, my, my, and my understanding is that apparently, and I, like I said, I, I, I really don't get how they do sentencing in Massachusetts and I didn't study it, mm-hmm. but apparently they have something sort of akin to a guideline range and the judge more or less adopted your, uh, thought process at sentencing and departed upward north mm-hmm. interesting uh i just i can't i have no tolerance for it. it you're in a position of trust you should be held to a higher standard and not only did you hurt people in a very real way by causing people who shouldn't be in prison to go to prison but you have hurt your colleagues you're saying you're doing this because you believe the officers know what they're doing. They need you to professionally do your job to ensure that their work stands up and mm-hmm. that their work means something. You invalidate the entire process by doing what you did. So again, kindly, fuck you. You should probably die in prison because <laughs> you should have 15,000 counts of whatever it is that you've been charged with and you should have to serve time on all 15,000. Yeah, I'm down with that. Mm. <clears throat> I take a hard stand on that. And I, and I appreciate that. I just, and, and I agree, holding people uh, like that to a higher standard because we rely upon them and we trust them. You know, those are things that I, I buy into very much. Police officers or otherwise or this kind of lab, absolutely. Here's my thing on it. This individual should never have been allowed to do this for so long. This is a personal flaw. This is a psychological, personal, this person has a problem. Yeah, she's good. And this problem was evident from before she even got hired. And her coworkers (sighs) tried to make noise about it. It was ignored until the police took over the lab. And and for her to bear the criminal brunt of that and, and go to prison for all that like like she has a problem and she's never and she needs to be held accountable for it here but here's the other thing you talked about the indictment that came through and what did she do she walked in and she took it on the chin mm-hmm. she she admitted to the officer when they came and talked to her she didn't try to hide it she didn't try to lie she pledged straight up to the indictment she accepted her end of the responsibility in this and when i think of right great she she did not come from a, a poor you know a socioeconomic issue well, and, again, and this or that but i'm not childhood was like i don't but either whatever but it was, assuming it's put herself in a good position to have a good job such that she didn't have to commit crimes to survive correct she did not have to commit crimes to survive uh but the the other part of it not that anyone does (laughs) but some people are in a position where they feel that way right and and they're most of the sometimes you know there's an argument there and other times there's not and this is a case where it doesn't seem like there's an argument for that that she needed to right but but my thing is though too we got leonardo and that that was a, a a big problem, right? But bet fifteen thousand of these, fourteen thousand nine hundred of them. That was dope at the end of the day. And I'm not trying to make light of it. Like oh, they had yeah. to dismiss those cases; it was bad, um, and they shouldn't have had to do it. But do I think that this individual? Do I think she needs to spend the rest of her life in prison? No, her her reputation is ruined. She's a felon. She took it on the chin. She accepted responsibility. I, I mean. I get where you're coming from, and I like to hold people in positions of power. At, at hold them, certainly they have to be held to a higher standard. I firmly believe that. But you know, some guy comes in off the street at that age and commits their first felony. They're they're walking on probation. They're getting probation all day, even if there might be violence involved. Hell, they might end up with probation if it's their first. You know, I I don't know. 
I think three years. Is that what you said? Three to five. Yeah, that's what she got sentenced to. Three to five to. with some follow-up probation. I ain't mad at it. And the reputation of Massachusetts and oh, their lab is the apparently fallout. still in yeah. question, yeah, according to Ray's to intro. Yeah, we, it's we'll, gotta be we'll, we'll get into like the, the effects of it yeah, are how it's still crazy. unfolding. And she, in and the she next is responsible. One. She is responsible, and she needs to be held accountable. But I'm just still so livid at the her supervisors, her superiors. Oh yeah, that. Because this could have been nipped in the bud early on, taken mm-hmm. care of. Everybody, sometimes you hire I a bad like apple, right? Right. But when you look the other way and you let that bad apple grow into a freaking tree and then look at how and deep. And call it your superstar. Yeah. Right. right. Well, it, and it, admittedly, I've not looked into it and maybe I um, <clears throat> I will before we, we go on for the, the next segment. But mm-hmm. I would be real interested to know how many probably tens of millions of dollars the state of Massachusetts has had to pay out because <laughs> so of her money. and this Sonia Farrick at yeah, the yeah. UMass lab, you know, between these guys who the, the Leonardo Johnson's just, I mean, and the thing about, like you said, you know, like most of those are dope. I agree. But when you're talking 15,000, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility to say that maybe a few hundred dudes went yeah. to prison on shit they did not do. And right. a few hundred, even one yeah. right, is too is many, too too many. many if you didn't do anything. Agreed. I agree with that. Oh, yeah, it's it's interesting, but yeah, it's just the, the how egregious oh. it, it is. It's just, I couldn't believe it when I, w- I was floored. Like, it was all I could think about for like two days. I was like, I'm in court, and I'm like, Andy Duke, this fish. 15,000 cases. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, and it was, I guess it was, you know, yeah, 15,000, almost 16,000 separate cases or or convictions. um, And there were, you know, 21,000 charges just went bye-byes. Wow. Because old girl. I mean, what else are you supposed to no, do? No, I don't know. I, maybe she tested some of them. Maybe she didn't. Right. I mean, there's uh, you can't. Right. You and if let she's them go. not keeping bench notes and it's not being reviewed, there's nothing you can do about that. No, you got to let those go. Yeah. That's <clears throat> wild. But yeah, and, and and like I said, unfortunately for the state of Massachusetts, this is uh, half of the one-two punch that they took <laughs> in the uh, circa twenty circa twenty twelve twenty thirteen. That's half of it. Wow. Oh. And let me let me just give you a little bit. Yeah, of, give a teaser. Uh, a give a teaser, teaser for part due. It ain't getting better. Oh. on the other side of the state, that oh. other lab is just as bad, maybe worse. Now, oh. uh, the nature of the violations a little bit different, but the uh, the volume, the fallout. It, also very very bad and and still that's the one that is more uh, i think making its way through the system today because Mm -hmm. that one is a little bit more ambiguous as to which results were contaminated Mm. and so i think it's been the subject to more uh, pushback from the state because well and also, there were different agencies involved. I think in the the Sonia Farrick case out of of uh, Amherst, you had the Attorney General's office taking the reins on it, whereas this stuff out of the Hinton Lab in Boston was primarily the Suffolk County DA. Mm-hmm. And in Suffolk County, they said, you know what, we're just not going to fight it. But it seems that the Attorney General's office uh, was not entirely of the same mindset and hence why certain people think that there was a cover Cover up up. associated Mm -hmm. and why the documentary I watched is called how to fix a drug scandal. So, well, yeah. uh, So a couple things on that, when you were talking about 
with those cases, you got to get rid of them. You got to get rid of them. That, I mean, that's part of it, because if you don't, the populace is immediately going to say this is a cover up. Right. You're trying to cover these things up. And and what were uh, did you mention your sources for this? Um, so primarily well, you said so, a podcast and a, yeah, I listened to uh, my man, Lindsey Graham on uh, American Scandal. Mm. That was uh, the podcast. And then there's a four parter on Netflix called How to Fix a Drug Scandal. And interestingly, so the the American scandal focuses almost exclusively on Annie Dukin. The Netflix focuses on both, but more Sonia Farrick. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is, and I've admittedly not read it all because I think it's 250 pages, but she is part of the ultimate disposition. That's like not a lot. <laughs> I know. I mean, we... <laughs> I'm not Just reading that. Cheryl's that. face was like, oh, 250 yeah. whole pages, huh, buddy? Yeah, I'm not reading that. Uh, <laughs> Well, at least not when most of it made it into the documentary, I think. So the, the most relevant stuff. But so her, um, as part of the, the resolution of her case, she testified before the grand jury. Sonia mm -hmm. Farrick did. And the entire transcript of is her, available. Is, it's online. Okay. Um, so Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one for sure. But yeah, like I said, it ain't getting better <laughs> for Massachusetts. That, tease, that teaser there gets me a little bit excited, but also... Very uncomfortable. Right. I, that's right. the thing for it's us. Go get was, worse. Right? That's why I was like, oh, oh, we got to talk God. about this because, this, you know, we talk about, oh, this person got killed and did they do it or not? But like, this is what we do. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we, you know, we're talking about the officers. We can't do our jobs if we don't have confidence right. in the lab. Like the whole system falls apart if the people, I mean, it's a drug case. And let, I mean, Unless the person takes a stand and goes, I delivered heroin. And even then, half the time, we right. as prosecutors are uncomfortable with that. Like, you cannot prove a drug case without a chemist saying. This is what it is. These yes. were drugs. Scientific yeah. scrutiny. Here's what it is. And so, yeah, this case just blew me away. Both of these because tens of thousands of cases just absolutely destroyed because of the you know misdeeds of chemists. I am surprised. I hadn't heard about this. Me neither. I feel like this is something I would have heard of. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. I just was, you know, I like I said, I... I, I they like, must have fixed it pretty well. I guess. I don't know. I mean, it, well, I'll come back to it. But one thing that was interesting to me was that the... Uh, there seems to have been for a long time maybe an issue in, in uh, Massachusetts with like, you know, the whole Sixth Amendment. But uh, because... <laughs> that pesky little sumbitch. Yeah, weird. But because um, like the the... Like I said, the the one that we're going to talk about next was uh, investigated primarily or prosecuted primarily by the attorney general's office, and the individual who argued the case for the government for the state at the Supreme Court was a woman by the name of Martha Coakley, and she was the attorney general at the time of this how to fix a drug scandal case out in UMass. So I thought that was like I was like ooh. Okay, so, oh, yeah, and now actually she has since, since left her post as the Attorney General of Massachusetts and is now, as I understand it, General Counsel for Juul, the vaping company. Oh, I thought you meant Not the, the recording artist. Artist. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately went to vape and you immediately went to, to the artist. These yeah. foolish games. That's right. right. <laughs> Who will save your soul, Joe? Tearing uh, me apart. Uh, that's right. Tearing me apart. Um, but yeah, so it just a hot mess after hot mess. And it's like I said, it's, you know, it's almost a decade later and Massachusetts is still dealing with it, particularly with what we're going to talk about next. Who Hot mess after hot mess, but enough about us. Yeah. Is, are they doing construction in here? I in think the it's evening? probably balloons. Oh. I think someone's popping balloons right now. We had a balloon thing. We did. 
We yeah, did. I think it's balloons. That's what's popping. Well, Raymond, <laughs> um, wow. Not a cold case. Wow. But crazy, right? Indeed. That's insane. Indeed. I'm like, I'm nervous about. Got innocent people incarcerated. And now we got to let all these jail, these guilty people out of jail. Yeah. Like it's, it's awful all the way around. Mm-hmm. Mm. Leaves me feeling dirty. That's right. And it's only going to get worse. Oh. Yes. Yes. Ooh. It's going to get Christina Aguilera dirty in here. So dirty. <laughs> all right. Oh. Four well. R's. <laughs> How many R's? Four. Four. Yeah. It's appropriate. All right. Well, I tell you, Raymond, I'm, I'm impressed by it. Uh, if the folks are impressed, they can uh, hit us up on the Gmail at notruebillpodcast at gmail.com. Or if they're not impressed. Or if they're not impressed. <laughs> if they want to tell you what you got wrong. Ray, this is so boring. You're a nobody dummy. Even nobody got killed. Nobody's yeah. dead, Ray. Nobody yeah. got this killed. This isn't what this podcast is about, idiot. Who's be about <laughs> dead people? <laughs> well, you know, hopefully the the reviews will be positive, but even if not, you know, we still feel the same way about our listeners, which is, until next time, y'all stay out of trouble. We have a, uh, we, we talked, I feel like, last time about how needed an outline for this episode oh yeah, yeah. we should have that no 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 i didn't do that either but i think after having done it once unsuccessfully uh that's enough for us to construct an outline to remember things that we should have said on it and the order in which we should say things uh-huh. we're smart people intelligent folks yeah mostly oh for sure two out of three mostly two out of three ain't bad i don't <laughs> I don't know who you're dissing right now, which is what makes me mad. <laughs> Motherfucker, you know, you, know you know it ain't you. You know it ain't you that he's dissing. How do I know what I mean? Because you're so smart. Look, all I'm saying is we all know Cheryl's super smart, and you have a certificate of small engine repair from a community college. I don't. <laughs> Best not forget. Best so. not forget. All right. All right.